You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Thank you, thank you, and what a wonderful thing to be here. Take your Bibles and turn as quickly as you can to the book of Deuteronomy and chapter number five. Deuteronomy chapter number five, find your place. And you know, that was what you call a crash right there, I'm telling you. Um, I'm so thrilled to be here again. I always love to come here, not just because uh, this is my family. My daughter, my oldest daughter is your pastor's wife. And uh, not because of just because of Jeremy and not just because of the grandchildren, though that's getting closer, that's getting closer right there. But I'm glad to be here because of this being a great church and a wonderful place. You love the Bible and you love the Lord and you run buses and win souls and reach out for people and you do it the old-timey way and I like that. I really do. It's wonderful to be here and praise the Lord for that. And uh, so somebody said to me this morning, said, now Joanna's not in the first service so you can tell all the secrets about Joanna in the service. Well... Joanna is in the service, but I cannot really think of anything. She is a wonderful young lady, and I'm not just saying that because she's my daughter. It's the honest truth, and I praise the Lord for it. You know, what long ago she called me, and I don't know why, but she asked me, she said, Dad, what kind of a person was I as a little girl? Yeah, that's what she said, what kind of a person? You don't remember how, how you were as a little girl. So I, w- I gave her quite a catalog of things that she was like as a little girl, and uh, Really, I, I couldn't think of anything real negative at all. Uh, she was always obedient. She avoided a lot of whippings that the others got, and the reason she did is because she was smart enough to stay out of trouble, and <clears throat> she really was. And uh, But she, you know, whenever, the, I had seven children, and whenever there was trouble, um, I would just uh, come in, and my wife, uh, Joanna's mother, who is now in heaven, by the way, uh, she would say, we got some problems and I can't find out what really happened. Somebody broke something or somebody did something. And I'll walk in, they'd all be there. And I knew there was one person I could ask and I could get the truth. And Joanna would tell the truth about what happened if she knew it would hang her by daylight. She would tell the truth. She would always tell the truth. And I knew I could count on that. And... Uh, she was a wonderful young lady growing up. She was my secretary uh, in her teenage years and an excellent secretary. And she was so tender and uh, to wanted to do the right thing always. I remember coming in one day and she would say, this is pretty common, uh, Dad, you got a call from John Bowles and you need to call him back because he's, he's waiting and this happened and that happened. And also Miss So-and-so called and here's the list right here. And you might ought to call her. I said, thank you, thank you. And I'd go on in my office. I mean, you could watch your watch by it. She'd buzz me. She said, Dad, can I come in and talk to you? I said, yes. She came in. She said, I hope you don't think I was bossy a while ago. I hope you don't think I was trying to tell you what to do. I smiled. I said, I, I didn't think so. Besides, I didn't pay attention to you anyway. But anyway, <laughs> uh, she, was, she was an angel, and she still is, and now she's a happy mother of five wonderful children, and praise the Lord for that. And I could not think, if I searched the world over, I could not think of anyone that would have been a better husband uh, to her than Jeremy Coburnett. And I'm sure you would say amen to that. And we are blessed. We are just so blessed. I want to thank you for the 
I want to thank you for the wonderful prophet's chamber, this beautiful three-bedroom home that you're keeping us in. And you have no idea. I mean, I'm an evangelist. Rhonda and I live in little motel rooms so small that you have to go outside to change your mind. I mean, really small. <laughs> and uh, to get a place like that, you spread out. I got my own prayer room, and she's, we've got a kitchen, and we can do. And then <clears throat> uh, all the wonderful things that was put in there. And I asked Joanna today at lunch, I said, honey, did you put those things? Yeah, and Rhonda said this morning, I think she did, and it was before we left the house, and she said how she can remember all the things that we like, all our favorite things. She said, I don't know how she can remember it all. She said, she's a real trick on a stick. I said, you better believe she is, and uh, praise the Lord for that. And then, of course, Rhonda is with me, my sweetheart, my lover, and I'm still swept completely out of myself about Rhonda. I was in um, O'Hara Field, and uh, Rhonda and I, we had a short change between flights, and we, st we fly a lot, of, we stay in the, over 50 meetings a year, we stay in the air more than a seagull with sore feet, we really do. And so I'm coming down the corridor there, and we, we're hungry, but we really don't have time to eat and sit down and eat, but we want to grab some food to get on the plane. And so we passed kind of a fast food deal, and I said, to, it was lines there, people lined up. I said, honey, you get in this line and wait. I'm going to go down further and see if I can find anything better. If I can't find anything better, you know what I want, you got it. And I, if, I come, if I don't come back by the time you get up to the register, you just tell the lady what you want and what I want, and it'll be fine. And she said, we'll do. So I ran down there real fast. I could not find anything. I come running back. And of course, the line was longer, but she was almost up to the cash register. And so I said, Rhonda. And I had to speak loud. I couldn't get there. And everybody turned, you know. I said, Rhonda, you got it. You got it. And she didn't hear me. And there was three business ladies right behind her, middle-aged business ladies. And one of them turned around and said, she said she's got it. And I said, yes, ma'am, she's got it. She's got more than you think she's got. She's got it all, all of it. I'm her husband, I know. And everybody just looking, you know, the whole congregation. I said, I'm her husband. She's got it all. She's the world's greatest cook, the world's greatest housekeeper, the world's greatest secretary, the world's greatest helper. I said, there's not nothing. If I knew I could push a button, change anything I wanted to about that woman, uh, I wouldn't have a clue where to start. I said, she's the world's, great, world's greatest lover, the world's greatest everything that a man could ever dream. Well, people are all listening. This one lady broke down and started crying. And, uh, and the, the other turned around and said, what's wrong with you? She said, I don't know. I just, I just touched my heart. And we were about to have a revival standing right there in O'Hara Field. Amen. And uh, I hope you'll forgive me. The Bible says in Proverbs 31, her husband also, and he praiseth her. Is it okay if I just obey the Bible and do what the Bible said? Uh, I'm not preaching on the home tonight, so you can relax. But anyway, uh, not on marriage, at least, for sure. But um, Rhonda and I, he, we have more fun than a barrel of monkeys. Uh, she may look like she's in her 70s, but honestly, she's a recycled teenager. And we're like two runaway teenagers. And we have the time of our life all the time. And that's the way it is. I'm open to Deuteronomy chapter number uh, 5. And I'm going to read a few verses and get right here. You know what, Lord, I think about this church. I think everywhere I go, I think, you know, you don't find churches like this everywhere you go. You just don't. When I think about this church, I feel like the rooster who had 10 hens in his harem, and he went over one morning to visit a fellow rooster at another farm. Well, on the way over there, little did he know there was a man raising some ostriches, and this ostrich had laid an egg, and the thing was big as a grapefruit. And this 
uh, rooster walked upon that egg and he walked around it and he looked at it and he walked back this way and he looked at it and he took his beak and he rolled it all the way back to the hen house and he rolled it in the middle of the hen house and he called all the ladies together and he said, now ladies, I don't th want you to think I'm complaining. I just want you to see what they're doing in other places. <laughs> and, and that's the way I feel about this church. I just want you to see what they're doing in other places. And uh, so, but anyway, here we go. I'm open to Deuteronomy. I, listen, you have to forgive me. At my age, I, I want to enjoy life too much to get started preaching, but I've got to get started preaching. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 5, I'm going to start reading in verse number 32. And I hate to bother you, but I'm going to have you stand up. Stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Lift high his royal banner, it must not suffer loss. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse number 32. Am I too loud for anybody? Okay, good. Deuteronomy uh, chapter 5, verse 32. Now, if you mark in your Bible, and I suggest you do, I would suggest that you underline a certain phrase I'm going to point out to you here. So get ready. Uh, and by the way, let me, you ought to do that every time you pick your Bible up at home to read it. Underline things. It'll help you to understand what you saw when you come back across. If you underline <coughs> what I tell you in this service, the next time your pastor comes across any of these scriptures, and it'll be a bunch of them, you'll remember what, why you marked it and what was said there. So here we go. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse number 32. Ye shall observe to do therefore as the Lord your God hath commanded you. Ye shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. Ye shall, ye shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God hath commanded you, that ye may live, and that it may be well with you, and that ye may, there it is, I want you to underline it, prolong your days. Underline that, prolong your days in the land which ye shall possess. Now the next chapter, chapter 6, look now in verse number 2. That thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's sons, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Underline it again. That thy days may be prolonged. You can prolong your life. Now turn back two pages. Turn back two pages. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse number 26. I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day that ye shall soon utterly perish from off the land whereunto you go uh, over Jordan to possess it. Ye shall not prolong your days. Underline that. There are certain things you can do to prolong your days. There are certain things you can do to shorten your days. Ye shall not prolong your days. Now turn the page. Look in chapter 4, verse number 40. Thou shalt... Keep therefore his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee this day, that thou, um, that it may go well with thee and with thy children after thee, and that thou mayest, there it is again, underline it, prolong thy days upon the earth which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Now look in chapter 5 and verse number 16. Honor thy father and thy mother as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee, that thy days may be prolonged, and that it may go well with thee, in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Again, that thy days may be prolonged. I can go through the Bible, and I've just showed you five or six times here in, in two pages. I can go through the Bible and over and over and over again. God tells us, prolong your days. Lengthen your days. And who's he telling to do that? Us. Us. We can live longer. 
And he tells us different ways we can live longer and how we can prolong our days. Proverbs 3, 2, for length of days and long life shall they add unto you, talking about the scriptures. Uh, 1 Kings 3, 4, 14, talking about in your ways, I will lengthen thy days. Uh, Psalms 91, verse number 16, talking about loving the Lord. With long life will I satisfy him. Uh, Exodus 9, 15, in rebellion I will smite and thou shalt be cut off, meaning your life will be shortened. Uh, I'm about to preach, so we better pray so you can be seated. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you, Lord, for what you've done. What a wonderful thing to be under the spout where the glory comes out. I want to thank you, Lord, that this is a wonderful church with a wonderful pastor and a wonderful family and a wonderful choir and some wonderful assistant pastors, and they have wonderful families and, a, and, a, and wonderful singers and wonderful sound men and wonderful ushers and wonderful teachers and wonderful uh, Christian school teachers, and I can go on and on and on. What a joy to be in a place that's alive and a church alive is worth the drive. I pray, Lord Jesus, you'll bless us now tonight as we look into the Bible, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated, please. You may be seated, please. God has given unto us certain inalienable rights. And among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And our forefathers realized that life was a gift from God, that it did not come from man, that it came from God. And they built that into our founding documents so that we would have a foundation to value life, fight for life, and to want to live and extend our life. We have a responsibility and a mandate to live. A suicide is murder. Whether you murder your neighbor or murder yourself, it's still murder. So Suicide is murder. God has given us a mandate to live. Ezekiel 16, 6. I passed by thee and thy, you were polluted in your own blood, wallowing around like a baby that had not been swaddled, uh, whose cord of life had not been cut. But when I walked by you, I said unto thee, live. Yea, I said unto thee, live. God wants you and I to live. God wants us to live, and he wants us to live as long as we can. And God tells us how we can prolong our life. We can prolong. We've got a responsibility. You say, well, preacher, you can't prolong your life. There's a set time for you to die, and there's nothing you can do about it. You're right, and you're wrong. Number one, there is a set time for you to die, but you can do something about it. Let me teach you. Let me show you that. Uh, jot the references down. I'm going to be gone before you get there. But anyway, Job chapter number 7 and verse number 1. And listen to what the Bible says here. Is there not an appointed time to man on the earth? Are not his days like the days of a hireling? You hire somebody, you know exactly how long they're going to work. Then he's done. And there is an appointed time for all of us to die. Our days are like a hireling. But now wait a minute. In Isaiah 38 and verse number 1, listen to these words. Uh, Hezekiah had been a wonderful king, a good king. In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came unto him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. So in other words, Isaiah said to Hezekiah, This is your time. God designed this is your death day. And now, God did something there in the days when the prophets still ruined before the Bible was closed. God did something he won't do for you. God won't tell you when your time is. Uh, but there was a set time for you, and there's a set time for me. And Isaiah told him, said, this is your dying time. Set your house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Now you're going to die. 
But Hezekiah did something strange. Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed unto the Lord and said, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech thee, how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept, so, wept sore. God, I, want to, I don't want to die. I want to live. And would you extend my life? Give me some more time. I've lived for you. I've served you. I've done right. And the Lord said to Isaiah, Go and say to Hezekiah, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer, I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will add unto thy days 15 years. God is the one that can add to your days. And if you'll pray and do certain things by the way you live, by the decisions you make, you can live longer. You can move your set time. Just like God is no respecter of persons. He would never do for Hezekiah what he wouldn't do for you if you were sincere and lived like Hezekiah and tried to do right. You just ask the Lord, and I'm asking God to extend my life. I'm 77 years old, and I, I'm, I'm, I want to live till I'm 80, and then I'm going to renew it and uh, move on to 90. And I want to live to be 100, and then I'm going to put up an argument about it when the time comes. You know, I, I, I'm going to live. Now, there is a time for us to die, and you know and I know that is, that is true, and there is an ultimate time for us to die. But God allows us to move that time. God, certain things we do. And prolong your days. Prolong your days. Uh, there's certain moral things you can do to prolong your life. Look in chapter 5 of our text here and verse number 16. Honor thy father and thy mother as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee that thy days may be prolonged. You'll live longer when you honor your father and make You know, Dr. Paul Raker was pastor of the great church at Five Points, Faith Baptist Church. And he built a monstrous auditorium. He built a great church, and he housed the National Sword Convention every year in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, when I got saved as a teenager and was assistant pastor to Bobby Robertson at the Gospelite Baptist Church. We'd go over there for big meetings. We heard the greatest of the greats. We heard Lester Roloff and Dr. Jack Howes. We heard Lee Robertson, Tom Malone, and Monroe Parker, and, and on and on and on, the greatest of the greats, and great sort of the Lord conferences. And uh, Dr. Paul Raker was a wonderful fellow. Uh, but not long before he was 50 years old, he got his family together. And he said, children, now I don't know how you're going to take this, but you need to know I'm not going to live much longer. They said, Dad, why? He said, because of the utter disrespect and the way I treated my mother and daddy. If this Bible is true, I'm not going to live much longer. I, I, because, I, because the Bible says your days will be prolonged if you obey your mother and father. And, and I didn't do that. And uh, I, but because of who I was as a young person, I won't live much longer. He died just about 51 years of age. Um, I, I, Dr. Oliver B. Green, all of those years, great preaching. By the way, he preached in this church in the early days. Anybody here remember Oliver B. Green? Do you remember Oliver B. Green preaching here? All right. Dr. Oliver B. Green, uh, he, he was a great preacher. And he said multiple times, I will not live to be a very old man because of the way I treated my mother and daddy. He stole from his daddy. He wrote a book on it called From Disgrace to Grace. Some of you have read that book. He said, because of the utter uh, disrespect I had for my mother and daddy, I won't live very long. And he died at 57 years of age. I was preaching a meeting in Florida, and a fellow said to me, talking about his son, said, I told him, son, now young people, are you listening? Grandchildren, are you listening? Others, are you listening? Teenagers, are you listening? Uh, I was... Um, I, and so I was preaching to me, and this fellow said, I told him, I told my son, I told him, son, you can't dive into that pool off the house. It's not made for that. 
you, you, it's, it's too much. It's not a diving pool. It's a swimming pool. And, and you're, you're putting your life in danger. Oh, Dad, I know what I'm doing. I, I know how to hit and scoop out. Yeah, he hit and scooped out, tapped his head on the bottom, and now he's sitting in a wheelchair doing this, and he'll be that way as long as he lives. You don't do very well when you disrespect your parents, and, and uh, uh, you know, I'm just saying, obey your parents' children. You'll live longer. If you want to live a long time, you, you, you want to die young, Start disobeying your parents and going against your parents and you're asking for trouble, asking for trouble. Um, I, I heard this story and then I heard it was discredited and I found out why it was discredited. It was discredited because fundamental preachers were using it and God was using it to warn people. But um, a mother, I won't go into the detail, but a mother with her daughter said to her daughter, honey, I don't want you to go with these friends tonight. Some teenagers are going to come pick her up. She knew too much about them, the mother did, and she didn't want them to go with them. And the, mother, the girl told her, Mama, I'm going. I don't care what you say, I'm going. And she said, Honey, I beg you, please don't go. When they came to pick her up, she walked out with the girl, and when they got to the car, she was still begging her not to go. When they got to the car, she saw that some of them was already drinking. And when the girl got in the car, the mother held her hand through the window that was down and begged her, Honey, please don't go. And she looked up with a cocky grin and said, Mama, I'm going. And the mother said this. She said, well, honey, if you're going to go, may God go with you. And the girl looked up at her mother and said, Mama, if God rides in this car, he'll have to ride in the trunk because it's already full up here in front of all her friends. Six hours later, every parent represented in that car got a call that their child was dead. And that car had hit a, a, a bridge embutment at a high rate of speed. They said you could not tell what kind of car it was. And there's where the critics jumped in. They said, well, uh, the police said you couldn't tell what kind of car it was. No, it hit a bridge. But the trunk was intact. They made an exception for the trunk. Now, wait a minute. Killed everybody in there. And the one officer said this. I read the report. One officer said it, how the trunk stayed intact, we don't know. I mean, drove the motor plumb up in the car. But the strange thing about it was this. When they opened the trunk, there was a crate of eggs in the trunk and not one egg was broken. And what did the girl say? Mama, if God rides in this car, he's going to have to ride in the trunk because it's already full up here. Now, I want to tell you something, children. I want to tell you something, young people. And I want to tell you something also, mamas and daddies. You, God will ride wherever you put him. And God will allow you to consign him to whatever part in your life you want. God is not a dictator. He, will not, he didn't create you a robot. He's not going to make you do this and make you do that and make you turn right. He's not going to make you dress this way, talk that way, act that way, listen to this kind of music. You can, do what, you can put God anywhere you want to in your life, but I'm going to tell you something. You consign God to the trunk and you're in for a shorter life. A shorter life. Oh, I wish I had time to develop that. First uh, John 5, 16 and 17, there is a sin unto death. I do not say that ye shall pray for it. You say, what is that sin unto death? It's not a specific sin. It's any sin where you keep committing and committing and committing, and then you cross an unseen line that only God knows about. You cross an unseen line, and your life is cut off, and it's short. You can prolong your life. You can shorten your life. 1 Corinthians 11.30. You know, Paul talked about the church at Corinth, and they were saved people. He repeated it over and over again. They were saved, but they were carnal. 
And I won't go into the list of all their carnal, reckless sins they were doing as believers. But, the Lord, but Paul said in 1 Corinthians eleven thirty, For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. Sleep means death. Some of you are dead. You got loved ones in the grave because of the way they were living and because of the immorality and because of the rebellion against God's word and God's call. If you're a child of God, you're bought with a price. You have no right to live in the way you want to live. And you're playing a dangerous game. I'm telling you, you're playing a dangerous game. There are certain moral things you can do that will shorten your life. And we've all heard about John Lennon and we know this singer of the Beatles and some, some years uh, before this, during an interview with the London Evening Standard, critics jumped on this one. They said it was an Amer American magazine. It was not American magazine. It was a London Evening Standard. But here's what he said. During an interview with the uh, London Evening Standard, he's, what he said, Christianity will end. It will disappear. I do not have to argue about that. I am certain. Jesus was okay, but his subjects were too simple. Today, we are more famous than Jesus. He was shot four times, murdered, and shot down in cold blood because you don't exalt yourself above God and do too well. I'm telling you how to prolong your life, and I'm telling you how you can shorten your life. Putting yourself, in Acts 12, 23, Herod, he, he made an oration to the people. Boy, he must have been a speaker. He made an oration to the people, made a great speech, political speech, and all the people cried out, it is the voice of a God and not of a man. And the Bible says immediately he was eaten, taken with worms and eaten with worms from head to toe and died right there according to the plain statement of Scripture because he didn't give glory to God for what God had given him. And I'm speaking to people all over this room. God has blessed you and given you health and given you strength and given you children and given you a good job and given you a nice house and given you cars and given you opportunities and given you talents to get up and sing and do things for God and you just totally disregard and you don't give God the glory for it. But I'll tell you what, uh, uh, I'm telling you how to prolong your life or shorten your life and you better listen to it. There's certain moral things that you can do. There's certain things you can do about God's book. Proverbs 3 and verse number 2 tells us about this. Listen to what he says here. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add unto thee. How about Deuteronomy 11, verse 8 and 9? Therefore ye shall keep uh, the, the, all the commands which I command thee, that's the word of God, that ye shall prolong your days. Prolong your days. Uh, Dr. Tom Williams, some years ago, many of you maybe have, was he ever here? Do you, know, do you ever have Tom Williams here to give a testimony? Evangelist Tom Williams and his wife were in Israel. She was young. They were young. And they were going up Masada there. And as they were going up, he looked around and his wife, uh, she had her hand back like this. He said, are you okay? She said, yeah, it's just my neck. In a matter of moments, they were rushing her to the hospital. And a doctor, a brilliant Jewish doctor walked out there in Israel and said, Sir, your wife has just minutes to live. Your wife has the worst case of bacterial meningitis I have ever seen in my life. Said the spinal fluid should be clear. Hers are like buttermilk. And said there's nothing in the world we can do to help her. She'll be dead for sure by morning. And a little bit later... A nurse walked in, and Dr. Williams had laid a tape recorder beside of her bed and put on the Word of God. 
and he ran it to her ears. And, of course, she's in a total coma. By now, she's in a total coma. And that same doctor walked in, that Jewish doctor, and he said, what's all this junk? And the nurse said, well, Mr. Williams, uh, Mr. Williams brought that in and put it to her ear. And he said, the Bible says that the word of God is health to your navel and marrow to your bones. And uh, this Jewish doctor, of course, he didn't believe in Jesus. He, he didn't accept Christ as the Messiah, but he was a very religious man. He believed the Old Testament, didn't believe the New Testament. So he just spun around and said, where is that found in the Bible? She said, well, it's in the Old Testament. It's a proverb. He said, it's in Proverbs 3 and verse number 8. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. He spun around and said, well, if it's in the Old Testament, it must be true. Pulled out his pad and wrote a prescription that she was to listen to the Word of God 24-7. And they played the Word of God to her for 24-7. That woman lived 27 more years. He and her came to our church, and, he, and I heard the woman get up and quote, now she had problems. God knows she had problems. But I'm telling you, the woman lived 27 more years and traveled the country and gave a testimony to the glory of God because there's power in this book right here. I would advise you to play the Word of God out loud every day in your home or read it out loud every day in your home. Uh, Christine Hewitt, Christine Hewitt, uh, you understand on the platform performing, held up the Bible and said, this book is the worst book that was ever written. Not long after that, they found her in her car, burnt beyond, the only way they could know who it was was by her dental work. Burnt to death. Cooked to death. The critics jumped on that. And they said, she was murdered. Of course she was murdered. That's the part I didn't tell you. They murdered her in her car and then burnt the car. So they tried to, they tried to uh, buck the, the biblical mandates of God's word by the illustrations fundamental preachers like me use. Robert Ingersoll, that great atheist, they said he was a powerful speaker. And Robert Ingersoll traveled the country giving his great speeches against God and the Bible. He said, within 15 years, the, the Bible will, I'll have it. Here's what he said, I quote, within 15 years, I'll have the Bible in a morgue. When in less than 15 years, he was in a morgue and the Bible was still living. And I'm telling you something, you don't come against the Word of God. You don't come against, I would advise you to read it every day, play it out loud in your home, make much of the Bible, and God, the God of the Bible will make much of you. I'm just saying uh, the Word of God. You can prolong your life with what you do with the Word of God. You can prolong your life by certain moral things, obeying your parents and other things you do. You can prolong your life by... Uh, faithful attendance to God's house. I heard this story. I called Keith Gomez not long ago, really, and I said to him, Keith, I heard this story. I want it from the horse's mouth. He said, Brother Larry, he said, I was sitting in my office on a Monday morning, and he said, I thought I was all by myself, and all of a sudden, I heard this awful wailing of a man. I jumped up. I thought, somebody's in trouble somewhere, and he said, I walked out. I didn't see anybody in beautiful church, and, and he said, I I looked down the hall, that curved hall going around the auditorium, and there was a nice bench sitting there. And he said there was a man sitting there on the bench, and he had something in his hands, and he was doing this. Oh, God! Oh, God! He said, I ran up to him and said, Sir, what is wrong? And he said, You tried to tell me. You tried to tell me. I wouldn't listen. And you tried to tell me. He was holding his little boy's shoes in his hand. Now, here's what had happened. He'd only been saved a few weeks, and he was faithful to church. And the Sunday before, some of his buddies called him and said, hey, we're going out to the lake. 
and it was old drinking buddies. And he said, no, I'll go to church on Sunday. They said, well, you can go to church on Sunday. Like, let's go out to the lake and let's have a little. He said, no, I can. He said, look, look, for old time's sake, let's have a little celebration. And he took his little boy out to the lake. And that morning, his little boy was waiting. The undercurrent caught him, and he drowned it. And he's holding the little fellow's shoe. I stood in Lane Barlett Funeral Home in, in Curtisville, North Carolina. And I stood there beside of a lady. I started to call the name, but I won't call it. We're on the Internet, I'm sure. And I stood behind the, beside that lady. She was in her 30s. She was looking down at her husband in the casket. And I heard her say this. She said, right down here in, near Winston-Salem, she said, we justified going to the beach on the weekend because we worked all week and then we had children and we wanted to spend time with our children so we took them down so they could swim and play in the sand. And she said, the undercurrent coat, and he drowned it, but she said, we knew this. We knew we were in the wrong place. We knew all the time there was this nagging something inside of us to let us know we should be in God's house. We should be faithful to God's house. We should be where God wants us to be. And she stood there and I heard her say with my ears, he would be alive if we had not been where we shouldn't have been. If we'd have been in church, he would be alive. Now I'm going to tell you, some of you sitting right here can be and won't be in service Wednesday night. You can be and won't be in service Wednesday night. Now, you know who you are. I don't know who you are. I don't get any information from the preacher before I preach. That way, I can be innocent when I call the shot. But I'm telling you this right now. You better not miss God's help. The, the very service you miss could be the service that one of your children hears something that delivers their soul from hell. The very service you miss could be a principle involved to keep your marriage together in some future crisis you don't even know about now. Every service here, especially if you've got a man of God that preaches a Bible like this, every time he gets up, he's got something good to say and something to deliver from the Bible. And I'm telling you this right now, you and I better be faithful to God's house. You're going to prolong your days. You better stay in church. You better stay faithful. You better be there three times a week. You better take part if you can. If you can sing, get in the choir. If you can't sing, but in God's dear name, stay out of it. But I'm just saying... You can prolong your life or shorten your life with what you do with God's house, what you do with God's man. First Samuel 26, 9, Whoso stretcheth forth his hand against the Lord's anointed shall be... Who can stretch forth his hand against the Lord's anointed and be innocent is what David said. I can stand here and give you a dozen illustrations just like that, and my wife knows I can. But I'm, I'm thinking now of a fellow in Louisiana, and if I had called his name, many of you would know his name. He said, I got up on a Sunday morning, and I said, Now, fellas, deer hunting season open next Sunday morning. And he said, I love to deer hunt, but, and I'm going deer hunting, but I'm not going next Sunday morning. I'm going to be in God's house next Sunday morning. And fellas, I want you to get your big buck, but I'm telling you something. You better be faithful. To, you better not put, it, put deer hunting in the place of God's house. And, and he er, encouraged his men. He said, look, I'll go with you Monday morning. I'll go with you Monday evening, but don't go on God. Don't take God's day to be out in the woods hunting. A fellow walked up to him, a faithful member, a young fellow with a smirk on his face, said, preacher, I just thought I'd let you know I'm going deer hunting next Sunday morning. Nobody else is going to get my big buck. Nobody else is going to get, I, I, listen, I've got, this is my chance to land that big buck, and I'm going to be, so the next Sunday afternoon, then the pastor got a call from that man's wife, said, Preacher, he didn't want me to call you, but I felt I had to call you. They got him down here at the hospital trying to big, dig some mighty big buckshot out of his head. 
You don't prolong your life by coming against God's man. Let me tell you something. You may not always do everything that man preaches, but you better watch how you smirk it in his face. And you better watch your attitude about it too. You, who among us has arrived? Who among us does everything that that book says? I'm still working on it, been working on it uh, for, for 60 years. Who among us does it? No, no. But I'm going to tell you one thing. I watch my attitude about it. And whenever somebody preaches something that I know is from the book and I need improvement, you're going to find me bumping an altar somewhere. Brother, I want to tell you something. I've got respect for God's word. I've got respect for God's man. This man right here is not perfect. He gets up every morning and he puts his britches on like any other man in this room. And if you don't believe that, just ask the woman sitting beside him and he'll tell you. But I'll tell you this right now. You listen to this Baptist preacher. Because of who he is, because of the position God put him in here as your pastor, as the under shepherd, under the chief shepherd of the Lord Jesus Christ, because of who he is, I'm going to tell you, you better get your antennas up every time he steps in this pulpit and opens that blessed book and you better not miss anything God wants you to hear and preach from the word of God from God's man attitude toward God's man can prolong your life God's warnings God's warnings I have an illustration there that blow the doors off of this church but I, I dare not use it to, I just don't feel led to use it tonight because it could reveal some things it could hurt some innocent people I'm not going to do that but there are certain moral things there are certain things about God's house there are certain things about God's man there are certain things about God's warnings in your life there are certainly moral things that can prolong your life and moral things that can prolong your life and then there are certain sacred things. Then there are certain mental things. You can prolong your life by certain things you do mentally. Proverbs 23, 7. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Uh, did you know uh, many of us tonight need a checkup from the neck up? Did you know that? I mean, really. Uh, and uh, did you ever read that list put out by Health, by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of the things, if these things happen to you, two or three in one year, you better make sure you got your insurance policy up. Life insurance put out the same thing. They know what they're talking about. I mean, if you have a house burned down or have a divorce or a death in the family or you, and these things, and, and, and if you don't know how to handle them properly, if you don't mentally process those things properly, it can shorten your life. I, I walked in, hired Fritz Grill, Greasy Spoon Grill, and he had a sign of anything, everything in there floated with grease, everything, you know. And, and, but he had a sign on the wall. He said, it is not so much what you eat that gives you ulcers as it is what eats you. A lot of truth in that. Uh, and and uh, so uh, direct your thinking. Direct your thing. In Philippians 4, 8, and 9, whatsoever things are true and lovely of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Yeah. I direct my thinking. I'm, look, I control what I think about, and I control the amount of it I think about. I have a filter to, of intake. Uh, I mean, listen, uh, we live in motel rooms. And uh, as an evangelist, and my wife will get my eggs or oatmeal. She knows where to put it. She puts it, with, sets it on the table with my back to the television. And the reason she does that, that's my request. And uh, you say, well, preacher, all they're doing is showing the news. Maybe, but an anchor woman sitting there with her dress hiked up to her elbows, and I don't need to be sitting there looking at that before I come over here and try to be a blessing to you at this church. I control. There ain't no prostitute in Paris going to control what this brain thinks about. Did you get what I just told you? And we need to get, uh, get a hold, gird up the loins of your mind. Get control of your mind. Uh, and uh, then direct your thinking. Here's another thing. Plan your worry time. 
plan your work. Now, you ought not worry. The Bible teaches that worry is wrong. But if you're going to worry, have a time to set an appointment with it every week. Plan your worry time. I mean, like Friday evening, 6 o'clock would be a good time. And during the week or something, man, what am I going to do? We can't pay rent next week. Well, don't worry about it. Put it on your schedule. I'm going to worry about that. At Friday evening, 6 o'clock, just dismiss it. Just, just put it then. Uh, hey, listen, uh, we've got this uh, doctor's bill ready, and the insurance is not covered, and we can't do it. What are we going to put? Write it down. Uh, Friday evening, 6 o'clock. Plan your worry time. And then come Friday. <laughs> One fellow said, you know, I tried that. It didn't work. He said, by the time I got to Friday, 80% of all the things I'd written down had already taken care of themselves. Did you know worries like paying interest on money that you never borrowed? Yeah. Look, worry is a, it's a, it's a disgrace to God. It's wrong. You know, the great Elijah, 1 Kings 19, 17. The great Elijah prayed down the power of God and rolled the heads of 500 false prophets at one time. But one painted-faced, demon-possessed Jezebel said, I'll roll his head, I'll get him in the next 24 hours. And, and he ran away and got under a juniper tree, and he was got suicidal, and he was about to, to kill himself. He wished for himself that he might die. That's what the Bible said. And the Lord showed up and said, Elijah, what are you doing here? He said, what are you doing here? And here's what he said in 1 Kings 19, 17. He said, Elijah, the journey is too great for you. The journey is too great for thee. Uh, life is more than you can handle. You see, uh, Elijah was a type fella that could just handle about anything that happened to him. And some of us have that cocky attitude. He said, Elijah, tell you what you need. I'm gonna get, I'm, we're going to put in a new king. And we're going to give you an assistant. Elijah, oh, no, 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 no. He didn't want an assistant. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to give you somebody to help you. Somebody called alongside to help you. And boy, he didn't like that. And he gave him Elisha. And, uh, and uh, you know, Elijah told Elisha, uh, the Lord sent me over to Dothan. He said, as thy soul liveth and thy live, I will not leave thee. And the Lord sent me here three different times. He tried to get away from him because he was the lone ranger. He wanted to do it all by himself. He wanted to carry it all by himself. I can handle life. Friend, you cannot handle life. Life is, listen, let me tell you something. Uh, life is too heavy for you. You need some place to take stuff. That brings me to a next point, uh, and that is have a dumping site for the negatives. You got to take it somewhere. What would your house look like and smell like if you couldn't take your garbage out? You go six months without carrying anything out of your house. Hey, you say, well, I wouldn't want to eat in a house like that. I wouldn't want to breathe in a house like that. Amen? I mean, you got to have a place. you got to have a dump. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says, casting all your care upon him. Throw it on Jesus, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Thank God we got a place to go. Thank God we got somebody to carry our one fellow. He was up 3 o'clock in the morning, walking the floor, worried, sick about something, couldn't sleep. And he thought, well, I see what the Bible has to say. He opened the Bible, and here's what it said. He that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. He looked at that and said, Lord, according to this, you don't ever go to sleep. According to this, you stay up all night, every night. And Lord, if you're going to be awake tonight, stay up all night, every night. If you don't care, I'll just go to sleep. No use, both of us losing a night's sleep. I mean, you know. 
And that's pretty good, pretty good for love. My, my pastor used to tell about a fella in train travel days. He got on the train. He had two big bags like this. He staggered up on the train and leaned against a pole. And there was a fella sitting there reading the paper. And this guy standing up, after a while he got to grunting and groaning. My back's killing me. Man, my shoulders. And, just, and this fella reading the paper looked up and said, Sir, do you have a problem? He said, Yes, I do. He said, What's your problem? He said, These bags are getting heavy. He said, well, if you set it down, the train will carry it for you. Now that, and he set it down and was relieved. Now that's a silly little illustration, but that's just how silly we are. Carrying these burdens. When Jesus said, casting all your care upon me for careth for you. You want to live a long time? You better find out. So listen, stress will kill you. Stress will kill you. People, look, I did a study on people that lived a long time. I wish, listen, I'd give anything if you could have known Jeannie Peterson. Jeannie, I preached her funeral when she was 102 years old. Joanna remembers Jeannie, little Jeannie. Jeannie Peterson, I preached her funeral. Jeannie Peterson was born in the 1800s, lived through the 1900s, and died in 2001. Now think about that. Her life spanned three centuries. I wish you could have known Jeannie Peterson. I'd go see, had a good mind right up till the last and was faithful to church uh, on, not long before she died. And, and I'd go see her. And she was gullible, and, and I loved to play with her. I, I went inside, Jeannie, I heard something about you. Oh, what did you hear? Uh, Jeannie, I heard you was taking, getting your CDL. You're going to drive one of these big 18-wheelers over the road. You're going to be over the road truck. Oh, no, no. And she was trying to defend herself. She thought I was serious. Oh, no, she said. And I'd tell her, I'm just picking on you, Jeannie. We had the best old time. I wish you could have known Jeannie. I wish you could have, I wish you could have known my Aunt Daisy. My Aunt Daisy died at 99 years of age, just not long ago. And I, I'm telling you, we already had blocked, Rhonda and I already had blocked out of our schedule to be to uh, uh, attend her 100th birthday. She died at 99. I wish you could have known Aunt Daisy. You go see her and your burdens were lifted. She, was, she wasn't a giddy, silly, laughy somebody, but peace, oh, peace. My Aunt Daisy was delivering meals on wheels to the elderly when she was 92 years of age. Rhonda, how old was, was Aunt Daisy when you and I went down? She, we took Sarah with us. Remember, she drove us all over town. Every, 94 years old. She drove us all over town. I said, Aunt Daisy, I, how long has it been since you had a wreck? Larry, and that's charming southern draw. Larry, so far I've never had one in life, but you ought to have seen her when she came to those intersections. <laughs> she was looking it over good, I'm telling you. I wish you could have known. I wish you could have known Van Sharp. I, listen, I made a list. I did a study of people that lived a long time. They had a different state of mind. They didn't live under the burden. Life is too hard for any of us. And if we don't find a place to go and escape and cast our burdens on the Lord, we're not going to live very long. Not going to live very long. There are certain mental things you can do, certain moral things you can do, certain physical things you can do. To prolong your life. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. There are certain things you can do physically to prolong your life. <laughs> Yesterday, we were going down the road and a fellow shot past us uh, up on the hind wheel of his motorcycle. That is not the way you prolong your life. 
Uh, that is not the way you prolong your life. I mean, I'm trying to tell you something. Uh, you know what? It's, it's amazing the crazy things that Christian people do. In Ecclesiastes 7, verse number 15, I discovered this verse, and here's what it said. It said, all things have I seen in the days of my vanity. There is a there is a just man that perisheth in his righteousness, and there is a wicked man that prolongeth his life in his wickedness. You say, how could that happen? Because sometimes lost people use more common sense than Christians do. Sometimes lost people live longer than Christians because Christians do dumb things. Think about it. I, I had my neighbor, Keith Murphy, uh, for years lived by me, and I had a pond down there where my son Joseph lives now, and I said, Mr. Murphy, I need my pond mowed around the, the banks there and the sides, and you got this sidearm mower with your tractor. Could you? He said, yeah, I'll do that. I said, I'll pay you whatever you want. You come do it. He went down and he made a couple of rounds, and he came back up and knocked on the door. He said, uh, uh, Mr. Brown, he said, uh, I made a couple, and he's lost. We're still trying to win him to the Lord. He said, Mr. Brown, I made a couple of rounds on, with my tractor, but it got pretty sidling down there. And he said, I didn't think it was worth it to you or to me to go any further. And I looked him square in the eyes. I said, Mr. Murphy, you are a smart man. And he was a smart man. And sometimes Christian people don't, are not that smart and don't do anything uh, smart. I mean, you can do dumb things. Do you know, I read, have you ever read that list of famous last words? You ought to read it sometime. The first one on the list was, it ain't loaded. The second one on the list is, I can beat that train. But the one I like best was this, you're just like your mother. Yeah, that, that, that'll do it. I mean, it, it, listen, you'll check out early, you start using that, you know. Amen, you're just like your mother. Just like him. Look, I was going down the street. When my children were small. Even Joanna was about 11 or 12, and the others on down to one and two. I was going down the street in Washington there uh, as a young man, and I had some children, and, and I met a farmer. And this farmer was the same age I was. I knew him. Uh, he didn't go to my church, but I knew him. And uh, he had the same amount of children I did. And as I was talking to him, and we got to talk about insurance and insurance cost. He said, I'm a farm bureau. I said, I'm a farm bureau. Uh, he said, um, and, and yeah, it's gone up. I'm now paying so-and-so. I said, you are? He said, yeah. I said, something's wrong. He said, what's wrong? I said, I joined a preacher's group so I could get a better rate. I'm paying more than you're paying. He said, well, the office is right down there. You go. So the next morning, I called this lady, and I said, ma'am. I said, I joined a preacher's group to get a better rate. This man's got the same risk. He, she said, yeah, he's one of our clients. I got his record right here. I said, he, he and I have the same risk factor. He's paying less insurance rates than I am, health insurance. That don't make sense. I joined a preacher's group. She said, yes. And I said, this pre these preachers don't smoke and they don't drink. And, uh, and I know these farmers drink and smoke, many of them. She said, yes, some of them do. And I said, you charge, they're charging me more then you're charging this farmer. She said, that's correct. I said, ma'am, that don't make sense. She said, oh, yes, it does. She said, you know, drinking and smoking is not good for anybody's health, but these farmers get up early and stay up late, and they're found under tractors and baling hay and out feeding animals and unloading sacks of feed, and you, you preachers sleep late, get up late, eat like a hog. You have all stress and no rest and no, no exercise, and all you do is sit around and drink coffee and take everybody's problems on you, and you don't, you don't, you don't eat right, you don't exercise. You cost us more than the farmers. That's what she told me. 
So I dropped the preacher's group and joined the drinking farmers and saved money. That's what I, honest, Scout's honor, I did. I did. I, I, I dropped it all. <laughs> Amen. You know what? <laughs> There's certain things you can do physically to prolong. There's certain things that you can do uh, diet-wise to prolong your life. Did you, by the way, did you know it isn't, I've taken barley green today. I've taken canis carrot juice today. I've, I've taken fish oil today. I've taken barley green twice today, morning and afternoon. Uh, did you know, uh, <laughs> did, did you know that um, there are certain things you can do to prolong? It has now been proven that they who, uh, take barley green and drink carrot juice every day, die healthier than people who don't. Yeah. Fact, they, they've proven it, clinically proven it. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, you know, uh, I've, I've never claimed the way I eat is going to keep me from getting cancer, but I had cancer 21 years ago, and I had a, I just figured this logic. I had a body produce cancer. If I knew why mine did and yours didn't, I'd be the richest man in the world. I don't. But if I don't change something that I was doing before my body produced cancer, I'd probably do it again. Hello? Hello? So I changed some things. Now, I still don't eat as well as I should, but I have not touched cake, pie, ice cream, candy bar, soda pop, tea, or coffee in 21 years. At no time. At no time. Now, I think you should. I'm an ex-cancer patient. I think, matter of fact, my wife does, and I go get ice cream for her. And I'll go get her a Starbucks, too, now and then. And she drank some coffee this morning, and I, and I think you should. I don't think you ought to live like I live, but I'm telling you what, I, I want to prolong my life. I had cancer. I want to try, and I could die next week from cancer. I mean, I could, but I'm trying to live. And, and we, my wife and I jump up, ride 10 miles on a bike every morning when we're home. Uh, three weeks ago, I got on my bike, rode 100 miles in one day. Up and, and that's not an e-bike. That's no motor on that thing. I mean, that's, that's, and that's a lot of up and down hills, even in Iowa. I mean, you get our age, you've got two options, exercise or die. Just take your pick, whatever you want to do. My wife and I are fighting to live. We, we're not fighting to live, not because we don't have a heaven and a savior. I'm ready to go to heaven, but I'm like a little boy on the front row. The priest said, everybody wants to go to heaven and stand up. And one little boy didn't stand up. He said, son. Don't you want to go to heaven? He said, yes, sir, but I thought you was getting up a load right now. I don't want to be on the next load. <laughs> I'm ready to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven, and I'm going to heaven, but I'm going to postpone it as long as I can. I want to live. I want to get as many people saved as I can. I want to bless as many people as I can, and I want to enjoy Rhonda as much as I can and, and go to heaven in a blaze of glory. I want to finish like I started. Amen and amen. There are certain physical things you can do. We have a responsibility. Uh, Jeremiah 21, 8, Behold, I set before you the way of life and the way of death, and part of that is in what you do with your body and how you live. <laughs> the great preacher Robert Mary McShane, I stood in his pulpit in Dundee, Scotland. We walked outside the church and saw his grave there. There's never been a man preached quite like Robert Mary McShane. Wept as he preached with power, came across a platform, and the power of God swooning people out of their pews. Robert Mary McShane, died at 29 years of age. And because of his schedule, his diet, and a few other things that he talked about, but you know what he said not long before he died? He said this, I was given a horse, excuse me, I was given a message. The message was the gospel. And I was given a horse to deliver the message. The horse was his body. Alas, I have killed the horse, and I'm not able to deliver the message. And when you kill the horse, 
you're not going to be able to deliver the message. Don't kill the horse. Your horse is your body. God gave it to you, and you have a right and a mandate to live, and I say unto thee, live. A certain physical thing, and I close with this, there's certain eternal things you can do to prolong your life. You say eternal things? Yeah, John 10, 28, eternal life I give unto them, and they shall never perish. That means they'll live forever. How about John eleven twenty six? He that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. You know, we got a world out there that wants to live forever, and they're, they're, they're body worshipers, some of them. Amen? They're body worshipers. I think you ought to take care of your body and take care of your health. But, brother, this old vessel, it's not my home. I'm just passing through. I'm going to get a new body someday, and it's not going to have some of the problems this body's got. And I thank God for that. But I'm going to tell you one thing. I can live eternally, and God has told me there's a way I'll never die. Never die. Never die. You say, how's that? Well, I'll tell you how you don't do it. I was standing in, I was standing in um, Subway there in my little town some years ago, and I'm standing there, and there's a rock and roll singer screaming out his profanity over the loudspeaker over my head, and I usually try to phase that stuff out, but I couldn't help but catch the lyrics. It was Bon Scott. He was singing a song called Highway to Hell, and I can still hear it. Here's what he said. Highway to hell, highway to hell. Hey, mama, look at me. I'm bound for the promised land. Hey, Satan, pay my dues. Play it on a rocking band. Hey, mama, look at me. I'm bound for the promised land. Laughing at God, laughing at, at uh, hell, laughing at his mother's old-time religion, uh, laughing at, at the Bible and laughing at, at... It wasn't long after that, he choked to death on his own vomit in a filthy act of sin so filthy we could not even allude to it in this crowd tonight. He didn't prolong his days, and he won't live eternally. Or he will, but he won't be in heaven. It'll be in hell. It'll be in hell. I wonder, at best, we're going to die. At best, there's coming a day we're going to leave this world. We can prolong it. We can postpone it some. I think we got a mandate to do it. But someday we're going to leave this world. Will you live eternally? Will you have the Lord as your Savior? Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.